0: You're listening to Fish Food, where we present bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 25 minutes or less. Keep listening for interviews, guidance, and resources for freelancers and small businesses. And if you enjoy, rate and subscribe to let others know about the gym you found. Now, let's get started. Hello, welcome to Fish Food, a podcast from Little Fish Accounting. I am your host, Keila Hill-Trawick, and today I'm in Philly after much of an adventure (laughs) to get to this place with the founder and leader of all things at Philadelphia Printworks. So why don't we have you introduce yourself, give us a brief overview of who you are and what you do.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Maryam Pugh, I'm the owner and co-founder of Philadelphia Printworks, which is a social justice heritage brand and screen printing workshop. So basically what that means is that we sell T-shirts that are related to social justice issues. Um, We also have cultural icons um, and that we also do the manufacturing behind the apparel.
0: Let's go back. Well, what were you doing before Philadelphia Printworks?
1: I was a computer engineer. Really? Yes. (laughs) I worked at Oracle for 10 years. Um, I was a software developer, a quality assurance analyst.
0: I had no idea. Yeah. Yep. So how did you get from there to here? Yeah.
1: Well, I've been doing Philadelphia Printworks for 10 years. I was doing the computer industry because it was kind of like what was laid out to me as the path I was supposed to follow. You know, like you get the house, the husband, the two kids, you know, the The five kids, the white fence. And so I went into that field hoping that I would have a lot of success. And I feel like after 10 years I was, but I also didn't feel fulfilled. Um, And I felt that there was kind of a glass ceiling that was very evident. Um, And I didn't feel like my potential was being fully realized there. Mm-hmm. So I also needed a creative outlet. I wanted to not have to practice this dual consciousness, you know, oh, yeah. where I would have to go into a corporate setting and not bring any of my beliefs with me, you know, whether that was political or cultural uh, or, you mm-hmm. know, just whatever. With doing Philadelphia works, I was able to collapse my worlds into one world, you know, and I wanted a creative outlet where I could be political, um, start a business and be creative. And so Philadelphia Printworks gave me that trifecta of things.
0: Why in this method? I know we talked off mic and have talked before about just how activism shows up in different ways Mm and different, not just products, but just methods. Why kind of was this your chosen outlet to say, I want to do this in this way via this channel?
1: I can't say that I had a lot of analysis around it. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a gut feeling. I have always been a very tactile person. And so being able to create something with my hands and then see it come to life and look at a pile of shirts and know that I did that. But, yeah. you know, like that's all in a day's work. I felt like that was very fulfilling and it was in complete contrast to computer field where everything is abstract. Yeah. You know, you don't ever see any actual tangible deliverables aside from the software that you're developing. So I think just from a purely selfish place I needed something that I could be creative with you know yeah. I needed to be able to work that other side of my brain but I think now you know 10 years into the game I'm kind of like well I do see the value of using kind of t-shirts and apparel as a tactic of subversion you know yeah um, and I think that there is a lot of power in that as a medium and I also I'm a very strong proponent of kind of getting in where you fit in you yeah know? so I don't I, I disagree with people who say that anything that's sh- Like they say that anything that's basically not out here creating legislation is not helping. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's many different ways to attack the problem. And I think that you really discourage a lot of people from even trying when you say that, well, that's not helping. Right. That's not enough. Yeah, that's not enough. That's not doing anything. Everybody can do something to help with whatever tools that they have.
0: So tell us about how the business works, the different channels in which Philadelphia Printworks puts its work into the world. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this is a bit like that meme with the red lines and the pins and the guys like trying to connect everything, you know, like kind of pour everything out of my brain um, into the world. It's It's been a work in progress, kind of refining the process into something that's easily identifiable yes. to the consumer. For us, that's finally boiled down to a very specific vision and mission to making sure that we're, one, always amplifying marginalized voices Mm -hmm. and supporting the communities who need the most support, who are the most vulnerable. Um, And then we are able to do that through a business model, which one focuses on our own apparel, creating revenue through that, and then creating jobs for those same marginalized people two, a custom printing kind of revenue stream where we can print for other people who are involved in grassroots organizing or independent agitators, three, by providing a service of manufacturing and fulfillment to other small businesses. Because we do have the tools and we do have the processes to manufacture the shirts, we have the means of production. We're also able to offer that as a service to the other small businesses that have goals and missions
0: aligned with ours. Now, did you know that at the beginning, like when you started (laughs) doing this, were you like, I'm going to do this for myself and we're going to do this for other people?
1: (laughs) No way, no how. This has definitely been a work in progress. In the beginning, it was as simple as I just want to make some cool shirts for me and my friends. And I see this, I don't want to wear a shirt, even though all shirts are fine, entertainment is fine. I don't want to always be on, you know, like always be thinking about being woke all the time, but I did see an opportunity for, to use kind of a t-shirt as a billboard for belief, you know, Mm -hmm. and this was kind of like before we had as many t-shirt businesses as we do now. Yeah. And then also it was before Black Lives Matter. It was before um, a lot more of the activism that we're seeing now, you know, in a different way, kind of this like renewal and reflux of activism. So it just seemed like a, a good way to do it. But as right. I continued to do it, and as more t-shirt companies began popping up, I started to realize that there were companies that were backing these, like were providing manufacturing services that seemed like they were kind of predatory. You oh, know? yeah. Which is what capitalism lends itself to be sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically why it was set up <laughs> this way. <laughs> right. They saw a hole in the market and then they went to fill the market hole, you know? Yeah. But I just feel that a lot of, the t-shirt companies like my own were trying to build a community around these issues, you know, on topics and not to get too sidetracked, but I do believe there's a lot of power in creating like a uniform for the movement.
0: Oh well, yeah. You know?
1: And so when you see other people who look like you talk like you, you feel less isolated, less alone, and you feel like there's power and mobilization happening, you yeah. know? Um, and so t-shirts are a, in like a very small way to do that. When you are trying to create, a economy for you and other people in your community, and then you have to look at your supply chain and so if you look at where you 're getting your t- shirts from, if you look at who's manufacturing your shirts, I just wonder what the politics of some of these companies that were popping up yeah. were you know and so I was like, well, if we're trying to have a broader a very strong, stable economy for ourselves that we're building, I see a hole, yeah. you know, and this is a service that we can provide because a lot of the new t-shirt companies that were popping up, they weren't producing the shirts themselves. They were using like direct-to-garment companies. And basically
0: just third-partying and it Just out.
1: third-partying. And on top of that, the direct-to-garment companies were taking 75% of their profits, you know, Dang. like it's 65 to 75% of their yeah. profits. So like you're kind of hustling backwards when, and no, no process is perfect. You, as a business owner, you always have to make compromises, right? you know, but I just feel like sometimes you feel like you're hustling backwards. If you're putting a shirt out that has this message of, you know, abolish ICE, but then you're supporting a company, which (laughs) would potentially be, you know, putting money back into that same system. And I don't, I haven't like done research on these companies to find out what their political beliefs are for, for real, for real. But I do feel like my politics are very obvious, right? So someone who I'm working with would know kind of like what I believe in and the communities I'm trying to uplift very readily.
0: And I feel like in that way, it builds transparency on both sides so that you get to be more intentional about who you choose to work with, who you choose to make products for, because to your point, if it's the way that capitalism is set up and all of the predatory is like, it doesn't matter who you are. I have a thing that I can do for you. If you pay me, I'll take care of it. And so having a space to say we only do it in alignment with what we already stand for Mm -hmm. is, I would say, rare. I don't Mm -hmm. think we see that very much.
1: It is an interesting thing. There'll always be someone who's willing to do it for a price. Right, right. (laughs) They don't care. Um, we're moving into an era where there's more accountability. You know? Yeah. And I think the Internet has helped with that a lot. Companies are feeling more responsible, like they have to be, because if they, they're not, there's going to be a hashtag. There's, they're going yeah. to get exposed, you know, whether it's by Black Twitter or, or anything else, you know.
0: How do you end up in these relationships? Do people contact you and say, Hey, we need a product. Can you do this for us? Do you reach out and say, Hey, I see that you have a need here and I can fill it? Is it kind of a combination of both?
1: Definitely a combination of both. When I first started, I had this idea that I was going to create a business model and it was always going to stay that way. It's yeah. static. You know? I think
0: we all think that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we are wrong.
1: Yes. And whether that goes from the products, you know, the value that we offer people, or to the training internally, like it's something that's always being developed you know Mm -hmm. it's like a it's a living breathing thing that we always have to pour into so it's definitely a combination of those two things going back to like our business model where we have those three streams we kind of have built it in a way where we hit and check off each of those boxes gotcha so with our apparel brand we can one design stuff in-house and really make sure that we are setting a strong tone for our brand But then we also reach out to other makers and kind of provide them with our platform, you know, so we can do the fulfillment manufacturing, develop a licensing agreement with them where we are able to print and fulfill and provide customer service for them. And I think that's a service that's really good because... Not all artists can do everything. Uh, You try, you know, and maybe in the beginning you have to. You can't afford uh, someone else to do it. But as these businesses grow and as we try to scale, we want to be able to provide that service to people. And we also want to create very fair and equitable relationships, you know, because I think there's a lot of companies who will just kind of take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of really just practicing the beliefs that you're espousing, you know, like that you say that you believe in and creating that dynamic in our actual day to day operations so it's a combination it's a very long-winded way to come back to yeah, say that right. we do stuff in-house sometimes it's driven by the collaborations that we want to have okay. so working with like Black Market Vintage has yes. been one of yeah one of our favorite teams to work with and so that kind of like drives some of the direction you know like these the ideas attract. of get free um, or what is freedom or what does joy look like for Black people what is resting and self-care and yeah. there's so many topics that you can talk yeah. about you know So I think kind of paying attention to the the current political climate, but also not being driven by it, you know, because that's constantly changing and then just paying attention to what I gravitate to naturally and what the people around me, like my circle gravitates to, and then kind of being in conversation with them because we're not in a, we're not isolated. We're not in our own little bubble. We're in a larger conversation. Yeah. I, I like to feel. We do stuff in-house. We do stuff with collaborators. Sometimes we just print stuff for other organizations that whose missions and goals align with ours. Mm-hmm. And so they'll reach out to us and they'll be like, we're looking for someone to print these shirts for us. You know? yeah. And sometimes we end up designing something as part of their merchandise. You know? ah, okay. yeah, it's definitely not just a printing service, but mm-hmm. you definitely... Um, are part of the collaborative process. Every project's different. Sometimes it is just printing, and sometimes we're involved in the like design of the design phase as well. It's
0: so interesting because we talked about how like my job is accounting and your job is printing, and you mm-hmm. think that that's the thing that you do, mm-hmm. and then you have all these opportunities. I imagine that when you started, you don't think I'm gonna make t-shirts, and they will represent to people a conversation about freedom or a conversation (laughs) about self-care. And so how has that evolution felt for you? Because I know in the beginning, anytime we kind of build something and have a very specific mission to it, it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do this and this is what I want you to get from it. And as that grows and changes into like a lifestyle situation of how you present yourself to the world and how you have conversations with people. That's more than just I'm wearing this t-shirt and it tells you what I think about things. How has, how does that feel as the business grows and evolves in that direction?
1: When people ask me what I do, I just tell them I'm a screen printer. It's it's so hard to like encompass everything, you know, to be like, yeah, "Yeah, it does this and it does that. And how do you articulate that nuance of of the work that you're trying to do in like an elevator pitch? Yeah. Yeah. It can be very difficult I always set out with the intention of this. So in the beginning, also, I just want to mention real briefly, I started this business with a business partner. Okay. So her name was Ruth Paloma, is Ruth Paloma Rivera Perez, and she was around for the first two years of the inception of the business. And so we kind of fed off of each other's energy. We didn't know anything about screen printing. We taught ourselves, you know, and we were just really young, idealistic individuals who really wanted to like have an impact on the world around us. So she left after two years and I continued
0: to do it without her. So you're a screen printer, but you're also kind of driving dialogue and conversations and collaborations and stuff like that. How does that feel, this growth and change? Or was it always meant to be like that?
1: I always wanted to make a statement, but Mm. I guess I feel like more people are listening now Mm -hmm. you know whereas before and so there's some feeling of relevancy i guess in a way that before i was kind of just speaking into the abyss but now i feel like there's definitely people listening kind of operating from within the audience and within the vacuum that is philadelphia printworks it feels really good (laughs) it feels really amazing I don't really take the time to slow down and think about it ever, which is why this
0: yeah. uh, question is
1: very <laughs> like, difficult. I'm like, oh, I don't have an answer ready for that. We're always thinking about, well, what we haven't done yet. Yep you know, what hasn't been built.
0: And all these ideas in our head. That yeah, we haven't right. Well, put out teams, yet, yeah. Yeah, all
1: this other stuff. And it hasn't quite reached the potential of what I wanted to reach. <laughs> but I do think sometimes I'm just doing and I don't always spend a lot of time thinking about the strategy, yeah, you know, yeah. of what it's, it's going to be. There's a certain amount that allows me to be agile in my approach. And so that's how it's kind of formed into what it is today. Oh, nice. Because I had that flexibility to be like, I just know I want to be a resource. I'm not sure exactly how that's gonna play out, but I'm going to look for holes that I can fit in, that I can plug yeah. in. You know? It's all, I sometimes I also say that Philadelphia Printworks is kind of a representation of my own evolution as a person, mm, you know, mm-hmm. and as a person who's trying to get involved in organizing and activism work, you know? Okay. And so as my understanding of what that work involves matures and grows, then I can find greater and better ways to make my messaging more poignant, you know? Yeah. 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 And so I think that's kind of what's happened over time.
0: All right. So when we think about the services that you offer to other other small businesses. What do you see is like the most common mistake? Because I don't know if by the time they get to you, they've already tried it and it didn't work and then they need you. Or is it a situation where they're like, I need it, but I don't know where to start and you're going to take care of this for me. Where do you see, I don't want to say people go wrong, but when they're trying to screen print or build their own things, where do you see them kind of going left in a way that experience has taught you how to do it correctly from the beginning?
1: So the what comes immediately to mind are two things. One, that usually the people that we work with, at least with our like manufacturing and fulfillment services, they were either waiting on the right fit. Um. They are intentional about seeking out partnerships with organizations whose missions align with them. So they were just waiting for the right fit, you yep. know? And then I was like, Hey, I'm trying to fill that hole. And here I am. <laughs> There's so many different things that we can manufacture and do and so many different holes to fill. So we don't all have to do the same thing. And then two, usually I think, We've just spent so much time investing in the processes that we've created and specializing in what we do that when someone does come to us and they're like, All right, I'm ready to do this, they just didn't realize everything that was involved, oh, you know. Yeah. So like there's a lot of things that we've had to think about and over trial and error we've developed, you know, like answers for that they haven't even considered yet. Because I imagine a lot of
0: people just think, I mean, I just need to make a bag or a shirt. I'll just put the thing on there, and yeah. put it online and people will buy it.
1: Yeah. Even like for, at the like most easiest entry point, say someone wants to get a shirt made, right? Yeah. And don't even use our fulfillment or manufacturing services. Usually they're like, how much does it cost to get a shirt made? And you're like, but there's so many variables to yeah. this, you know, there's like what color is the shirt what color is the ink how many locations is the design how many colors are in the design you know Mm. like all of this changes the price so for it to be quality yeah and not just like
0: an iron on situation yeah for
1: sure and so i don't know if they think that i'm trying to like negotiate or something and i'm like well that's gonna cost you but like it actually like it does change you know it changes everything I think people just don't know about like the industrial side of things, you yeah. know, like people get, go to the store and go to target and they buy a shirt. That's right. where they get their stuff. They don't, we're kind of far removed from the manufacturing side of things, unless you work in those areas, unless That's you're true. in fashion. So if just a regular person uh, is inquiring about it. They don't really have the education. Usually they don't have the background to know what kind of questions to ask because they don't really have a point of context.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think about that even as, a consumer and I think I've said this before early on when I would say buy T shirts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not buying another thirty five dollar t shirts. <laughs> like T shirts shouldn't cost that much money. Right. But you're right, it's because we come from a place where like Target fill in the blank here store sells yeah. them for twelve dollars. So I don't understand why I have to pay this much. Right. But not understanding the That's merchandising, right. the manufacturing, the cost per unit. Yes. That if you can move All it. Yeah. Terms. If you can move a million of them, sure. Right. I can sell them for fifteen dollars. Right. Right. But if you want them to be quality and you want to be able to see the background and see the transparency, mm-hmm. that costs money. And so yeah. I can imagine that a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, because some people might be aware of it, but that people would come to you and be like, I'm trying to get these shirts, mm-hmm. make them real fast for mm-hmm. this much money. Yeah. And then give them to me and I will just sell them for fifteen dollars. Like you're not gonna make no profit. No, you're
1: not. <laughs> yeah. and I try to explain that to people, you know, they're like, yeah, I want like a five color design on the front and the back and the the sleeves. And I want to, I want that for like, you know, $8. No, (laughs) there's a value to labor, you know, like to the labor you put in. And that took me a long time, like, because I used to price things according to what I thought people would pay versus what is actually worth. So knowing your value, knowing your worth, knowing that it's fair, for you and reasonable for you to ask for more money if you're doing more work, more yeah. labor, you know, and that transaction is them acknowledging and respecting that additional labor that's being done, you
0: yeah. know. And I think as entrepreneurs, in. we don't. Um, and I had this conversation actually with my sister when I first started Little Fish was mm-hmm. like, people are not paying you for the task. They're paying you for the value. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it took me 30 minutes. I right. saved you four hours Absolutely, of work. Absolutely. Yeah. So the experience. Exactly. Yeah, the to no your mouth. point about the screen printing, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe I can do this in this amount of time mm-hmm. with this amount of whatever, but you couldn't. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> my labor, really labor and time and expertise
1: costs. Exactly. Like I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, like that's what you're paying for. Right. Like, 10 years of experience.
0: And it's good. Right. And like I'm know, not just giving you. you anything. Yeah,
1: no, for sure. And, and we're providing living wages for people, you know, like, yeah. yeah, so you just have to be, we have to hold ourselves accountable um, in the things that we buy and purchase and where we put our money because it has impact, you know, yeah. it's that fast fashion, as we talk about, you know, like yeah. for $12, but someone somewhere is suffering, you know, right.
0: You're. It's not, you it's not cheap it. to you yeah. for no reason. Right. It had to be cheap for right. them to make it. Someone's for you paying to
1: get for it, to. it in some way, you yeah. know, and that, that to me brings up different conversations around different forms of capital, you know, so there's monetary ah. capital, but there's also like social well-being and social capital yeah. and you're paying it in one way or another. And so if you get something for cheap, then someone has paid in another way. Right. You know, How do that balance leader? the scales yeah, on exactly. the other side? It's being balanced somewhere by someone.
0: Is there an entry point at which it's not time or are there people that you had not necessarily turn away, but... I know, for example, from an accounting side, there are people who will come to me and say, I just want you to take over my books and do it every month. And I'm like, I don't think that's the best value for you. <laughs> like you, you have oh, 40 me. transactions per oh. month. You can probably do it. <laughs> right. And you know, there's always a place for people who are like, I don't care how fast I could do it, I'd just rather not. But then there's other people where I'm like, you've been in this business for like one year. Um, I don't know that this is exactly (laughs) do are there people that come to you all for a product or service where you're kind of like I don't know if this is what you need right Mm -hmm. now
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure just today uh, I had to turn down some business that I could have said yes to but they were looking for someone who had a different style of printing I think this again goes back to educating people about the specific type of manufacturing that we're doing. Yeah. So screen printing itself lends itself to high volume.
0: Mm. Like that's the benefit of
1: screen printing is that you have a stencil and you can print multiple copies of something, okay. whether that's paper or t-shirts or apparel. But once you have like one or two shirts, then the it's startup is prohibited prohibitive. So in that case, those are situations where I have to tell people like, technically we could do this, but it's going to cost you so much that you might as well just go use a different style of manufacturing. For this. Ah, yeah. And okay. so, yeah. And so I usually refer them to somebody else. And the same thing applies for um, like our manufacturing oh. fulfillment services. We try not to be prohibitive. Oh in terms of like entry like startup costs because we know that we're all small businesses and we all have to like pay very close attention to that but if you're only doing like one to two sales per month you can probably do that yourself you know like versus like hiring someone to do that stuff for you Um, we're just not in that business of like kind of being a catch-all for everything we have to be very specific about where we put our energies because we're a very small team
0: so, what is one piece of advice? Being that you run a very small business, you serve very small businesses, and you do direct consumer stuff, so you are kind of all, all the all the <laughs> sides. What is one piece of advice that you would offer to other small business owners? Really about anything inside the business itself, or just around entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, I think as a small business owner, it's very easy to get distracted, you know, and to kind of like run yourself ragged doing trying to do everything all the time and i think a lot of that goes back to this idea of scarcity you know Mm. where we feel like we have to say yes to everything because the next gig the next job isn't promised yeah and so eventually as you establish yourself you find peace in the idea that there is enough out there and if you keep doing the work that the work will continue to be there for you to do If if you keep doing a good job you know so Protecting your reputation, being very intentional about the choices you make, as cliche as that sounds, would definitely be my advice. As you grow, you'll start to be faced with decisions which may be opposite of your beliefs and ideologies as long as you are very clear about what your mission and your goals and your passion is, I think you always have to continue to revisit your mission statement and make sure that what you're offering is in line with that mission. So as long as you keep on referring back to that, uh, I think you'll be okay.
0: That makes sense. Thank you for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for interviewing me. No problem. Tell the people where they can find you. Okay, so we're on
1: all the social medias, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, everywhere. (laughs) You can find us using the username Philaprint, P-H-I-L-A-P-R-I-N-T. Or there's always our website, which is philadelphiaprintworks.com.
0: Yay! (laughs) Glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, there's good news. We've got additional free resources for you to get clear on your small business finances. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter by heading to littlefishaccounting.com/subscribe and check us out on Instagram at littlefishaccounting.